Well, my name's Clayton Walker. I'm the lead pastor here of the City Church, and I was born outside of Houston in a suburb of Houston called Humble. And so growing up in Humble, my parents would take us to the beach in Galveston sometimes. And I know some of you are like, that's not a beach. All right, it's the third coast, okay? It's where I'm from, and it's a beach, I promise you, okay? So we would, we would go to the beach growing up, and, and my parents like to remind me that when I was younger, they, they, they go like this, Clay, do you remember we'd take you to the beach and you'd play in the sand and oh, you hated the sand. You hated the sand. You'd get the sand on your hands and you would just start crying and beat your hands trying to get the sand off of you. Clayton, do you remember when you, we would take it? And I'm like, ah, you've told me a thousand times. Yes, of course I remember because you've never let me forget that I hated the sand. I still don't really like the sand. I don't like the sand on me. I don't want it in my car. I don't, I don't really like the sand. But there was a stretch of time when I was a kid when we would go to the beach, me and my brothers, I had three brothers. Yes, my mom had four boys. So you can say it all at once. Bless her heart, right? Bless her heart. Yes, pray for her. She's still in recovery, okay, from having four boys. So we would go to the beach, though. We would, we would build these sand castles for hours. There was four of us. And so with four of us and, and over a good length of time, we could build some pretty awesome sand castles, Lot, lots of castles, lots of, of tunnels. Uh, you know, you got to have a moat to protect your princess from the invading armies, right, and, and a good bridge over the moat. Okay, and so if we hadn't gotten in a fight, right, but at some point in that day and gone and kicked each other's sandcastles over, you know, or like the, the part that we had worked on, if we hadn't gone and messed it up already because we had gotten frustrated or in a fight, by nighttime, what happens? The tide comes in, the water comes in, and those sandcastles that we worked so hard on would be completely demolished. You know, Jesus said that we can do the same thing in life, that lots of us are building our lives on sand with sand. And when the storms of life come, and Jesus says they will, when the test comes, when the trial comes, that the storm, the test, the trial will reveal that some of us have been building our lives on something that won't last. We've been building our lives on sand with sand. It happens most of the time when we take a good thing and we make it a foundational thing. It happens when we take something that was designed to be secondary and we make it the primary thing in our life. That's never gonna go well. We're always building our lives on sand with sand when we take something designed to be secondary and we make it primary. How can you tell if you're doing that? And if that's the case, what do we, what do we build our lives on? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus is going to, to tell us. If you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 6. The verses are going to be on the screen. Now's a great time to open our app and select message notes. The message notes tab, all the verses and the points will be there. And you can even fill in the blank as we go. It's a great way to stay engaged and involved in our time together. We've been in a series going through the Gospel of Luke at our church, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. A little over a year ago, we made the decision to transition to preaching through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. I was closing in on age 40, and my midlife crisis was what am I gonna do as a pastor for the rest of my life, right? What, what am I gonna talk about? And, and I feel like the Lord said, hey, I want you for the rest of your time in ministry, maybe for the next 40 years, right? If the church doesn't fire you or, or you don't die, 
to preach through the rest of the Bible, to preach through the Bible. And so a little over a year and a half ago, we, we, we changed to that philosophy of preaching and teaching where we teach verse by verse through the scripture. We preach through uh, the book of Daniel, then Colossians, and then we started the gospel of Luke last fall. And as we've spent the last year and a half preaching through the scripture verse by verse, I took my original 20 year vision and turned it into like a 30 or 40 or who knows vision, you know, because it's just taken longer than I thought it would. All right. So, but we're, we're in the middle of the gospel of Luke and, and, and we've studied the scripture verse by verse here because we just believe it develops a depth of faith, a depth of trust, a depth of love, a depth of commitment to the mission of Jesus that you just don't otherwise get when you're not studying the full counsel of the word of God. When you study the scripture verse by verse, it, it, it forces you to cover the uncomfortable things. It, it forces you to cover the controversial things. You don't just get to skip over those things. You've got to dive into them. And so that's what we've been doing. And our hope with the gospel of Luke is that we'll be drawn up to Jesus. So much in our culture is drawing us to the left or to the right. Our hope, our prayer as we study the life and teachings and death and resurrection of Jesus is that we will be drawn up, not to the left, not to the right, but drawn up to Jesus. And we're not just studying the gospel of Luke in here. We're studying the gospel of Luke in our small group Bible studies called city groups. If you're not in one, you can get in one by going under our app and finding a group that works best for you or filling out our connect form. We'll help you find a small group Bible study, a city group. Our groups will discuss these same verses this next week. We're studying the Gospel of Luke in our daily devotionals on our app under the Bible study tab this next week, Monday through Friday. We'll break down these same verses with more commentary and more application and prayer points. And we're gonna study the Gospel of Luke as families through the Table Talk resource, which is also on the Bible study tab in our app. Our kids right now, our students, study these exact same verses that we do every single week. And with the Table Talk, we provide a resource for parents, for families, to discuss the scripture together that we covered on Sunday that we all did in here and in every class around a lunch table or a dinner table. So we offer that resource to you and to your family to help study the scripture verse by verse together as a family. Well, let's dive in today. Luke chapter 6, 43 through 49. Jesus is continuing to preach. Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plain. Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount. Scholars differ over whether it's the same preaching or teachings or not. I, I do because the content is so similar. I believe that they are one and the same, just different accounts. And so today, Jesus is going to give us two illustrations that reveal what authentic faith in Jesus looks like. And by doing so, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be revealed whether or not we're fooling ourselves. Whether or not we're pretending to be something that we're not. Because Jesus will say many, many will claim that they're followers of Jesus. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, we love you and we follow you. But Jesus is going to say, but your, your, your life, your life doesn't back that up. And so your claim is worthless. You're pretending to be something you're not. So let's look, verse 43, Jesus says this, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. 
And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Do you have a passion for knowing Jesus, following Jesus, worshiping Jesus, serving Jesus? Do you have a passion for getting together with your spiritual family, that is the body of Christ, that is the church? Do you have a passion for knowing and studying God's word? Do you have a passion for for prayer? These are the spiritual things of heaven. And and what Jesus is saying here is if, if there's no love for God, if your life isn't marked by good fruit, if your life isn't marked by these things, then, then you're just fooling yourself. You're pretending to be something that you're not. Your claim is worthless if you're not bearing the fruit of what a follower of Jesus should look like. Jesus is basically saying, just be honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself. You can claim to be something all day, but Jesus is saying that what we talk about, what we spend our time on, what we spend our money on, what, what, what our priorities are, reveal what's really going on in our hearts. Paul was so concerned about the lack of fruit at the church of Corinth that he asked them in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 to examine themselves to see where they were really in the faith. Paul was looking at their claims to be lovers of God and followers of Jesus. And then he, would, he was looking at their fruit and the things they cared about and the things they were engaging in, the priorities of their life. And, and, and he saw that they weren't matching up. And so he said, test yourself, examine yourself, see whether you're really in the faith. Because what Paul was basically saying to the church at Corinth is some of you are fooling yourselves. Some of you are pretending to be something that you're not. And you just need to be honest with yourself. That, that would be better than continuing to fake it. Just be honest with yourself. Quit Quit pretending to be something that you're not. Paul asked the question because their claims and their lives weren't weren't matching up. So so here's the first point today. Number one, your your fruit reveals your reality. The, The fruit of your life, Jesus says, a good tree produces good fruit. Your fruit reveals what kind of tree you are. The fruit that you produce reveals what kind of tree you are. So your fruit reveals your reality, not your claims, not your intentions, your fruit reveals your reality. Jesus's remarks here are designed to make us examine the direction and pattern of our lives. Not, not necessarily individual moments, because we all have individual moments of, of great faith and then great faithlessness, faithlessness. I mean, Peter had great moments of faith and then great moments of unfaithfulness. So so we're not talking about necessarily individual moments here. We're talking about what is your life marked by? What is the the passion of your life? And Jesus says, whatever your heart is, whatever you're passionate about, the things that you talk about, the things that you spend your time and and money and influence and energy on, that's what's really in your hearts. So what is your life marked by? What's the fruit of your life telling you? Jesus is also saying here that if you're seeking transformation in your life, victory over sin, repentance from apathy, you can't approach it as if it were simply some sort of superficial thing, some sort of external matter. I'm going to one, two, three it. I'm going to do better and try harder. Listen, I don't want you to leave here ever thinking you need to do better and try harder. 
That's not the message of the gospel. That's not the message of scripture. In fact, Jesus is saying here, you, you, you can't do better and try harder your, your way into pleasing God, into being in a right, right relationship with him. You can't do better and try harder. You, you can't one, two, three it to bring transformation into your life. You can't one, two, three it to have victory over sin or to begin some sort of spiritual life. Now, even the Pharisees that Jesus is continuing to confront, if you've been with us throughout the gospel of Luke, the Pharisees concentrated on rituals, religious routines, and systems as if just by doing them, one, two, and three, they would be right with God and they would please God. They thought, you gotta catch this, they thought the do could change the who. They thought if we could do better and try harder, if we could be more religious, if we can do better and try harder, that'll change who we are. And Jesus is saying that's not the way it works here. You, you can't start trying to produce better fruit so that it changes your heart. No, what did Jesus say? No, it's out of the treasury of what's going on in your heart, out of the overflow of what's in your heart, your mouth speaks and, and, and you do and you live and you act. Jesus is saying, no, a new who produces a new do. New do never produces a new who. Jesus is saying here, you've got to have a new heart. Jesus would tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. You gotta be born again. You gotta become a new who in order to produce a new do. And we'll talk about how that happens. We'll come back to that here in just a little bit. But first, Jesus is going to give us another illustration. Verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, when the storms come, when the trials of life sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins, Jesus says. This sermon that Jesus has given was given on some hills overlooking the Sea of Galilee and there were villages around this sea with, with homes, a perfect illustration for what Jesus was talking about. And Jesus was anyone who's gonna build a home, especially here, right next to the sea, and it's gonna stand the test of time, it's going to withstand the storms that are gonna come, it's gonna withstand the flooding that is sure to come, they're not gonna just start building on the sand. No, they're going to dig down deep to get to a firmer foundation. And then they're going to build the foundation for this house. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take thought. It's gonna take careful planning. It's not gonna be easy. You're gonna to have to dig. It's gonna be hard work to build this solid foundation on the solid ground, but Jesus says those who just build on top of the ground, like on top of the sand, they, they just go about their business, not taking any time to consider what they're doing. They're building their house on sand. And when the storms come, it's going to knock that house over. It's going to collapse. It's going to be in ruins. And so Jesus says, those who come to me, those who follow me, those who listen to me, those who obey my teaching, the real deal, where their 
actions match up with their claims. They've become a new who. They've become followers of Jesus, which has produced a new who, which then turns into a new do. And Jesus says, those who built their life like this on me and my teachings are building upon the rock. They're building upon a firm foundation. Let me show you what this looks like. So over here, you see, we've got this pyramid going up with a very wide, strong foundation. Jesus says, those who build their life on me are building their life on a rock. They're building their life on a firm foundation, on me and my teachings, on me and my teachings. If you build your life on me, God in the flesh, and he proved that through his resurrection from the grave. If you build your life on me, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, and on my teachings, the, the word of God, you're building your life on a firm foundation. In, in Colossians, uh, Paul writes this letter to the Colossians, to the Christians there in that church, and he, and he says this throughout this letter. He, 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 in chapter one, he starts talking about the identity of Christ and that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And because Christ has been raised, Jesus, this is my, my translation, was God in a bod. Okay, that's not what Paul said. That's my translation. Jesus was God in a bod because he rose from the grave. He proved that he's Lord. He proved that he's God. And so everything we believe and think as followers of Jesus is based on this foundation. Jesus said, on me and my teachings. It's based on him because he is God and he reveals to us who God is and what he's like and, and what he wants. And so Jesus says, Whoever builds his life on me is building his life on a firm foundation, on the rock, and obeys my teaching, listens to me, and obeys my teachings. And so then in Colossians chapter 2, Paul begins to write about our identity in Christ. So, so if this is who Jesus is, he, he, he's God in the flesh, and we should listen to him and do what he says and, and follow his teachings. Paul then begins to, to talk about, well, then who are we in Christ? And so he moves on from talking about who Christ is and our identity in Christ as being forgiven and holy and righteous and without fault because the record of our sin has been nailed to the cross of Christ, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. And we've been forgiven. That changes who we are. That There's a new who now. We've been born again because of our faith in Jesus. We've got this new spiritual life. We've been forgiven of our sin. And so then Paul begins to move into what does that mean for us as the body of Christ, as the family of God? You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ now. See, not only do we have a right relationship with God now, but now we've got a new spiritual family. We've got a, a church family. And so Paul begins to talk about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in a community of faith. And he makes this progression. And then in Colossians chapter 4, he starts talking about your marriage about what it looks like to have a gospel-centered marriage, to be godly husbands and wives, and then godly moms and dads. And then he moves into talking about how that affects your work or school or sports or whatever that might look like for you. But Paul takes what Jesus said about building your life on him, and he writes a letter, and it's like this foundation. It's like building the solid foundation of a, of a house talking about who Jesus is, following his word, being committed and connected to a spiritual family, 
where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus, where you can know other followers of Jesus and be known and, and, and do this spiritual life together. Acts chapter 2 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to getting together, to meeting together and growing spiritually. They were devoted to those things. And then Paul says out of the overflow of this spiritual life, this firm foundation, we can have a healthy marriage and healthy parenting and, and, and have healthy work and, and view of school and sports and money. But, but what happens, what happens if we take a, a good thing, work, sports, school, and we make it a foundational thing? What happens if this becomes our foundation? What happens if we flip it? What happens if our whole world is wrapped up in our, our marriage and our kids and we start building our lives the other way around? Jesus said, you should build your life on me. But, but what happens if we start building on sand with sand? Secondary things and we start making them primary. What, what happens? Let's see what happens. Oh, it's already wobbly. We're going to have trouble. Let's see what happens here. Man, pretty wobbly. Not too firm. It's wobbling a little bit. But what happens when the storms of life come, Jesus said? What happens when the test comes? What happens when... The trial comes. It's going to reveal with a mighty collapse that we've been building on sand with sand. That we've been building a sandcastle that's not going to stand the test of the storm. It's not going to stand the test of time. You see, sandcastles are cool for a moment. But only a life built on the rock lasts forever. A sandcastle, playing in sand with sand is cool for a moment. Building sandcastles are fun for a moment. But it's the storm that's going to reveal we've made a huge mistake. Because only a life built on the rock lasts forever. And Jesus says the rock, the foundation that we should be building on, that the rock is the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Jesus says, whoever builds their life on me, who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the bod. He's God in the flesh. Paul said in Colossians chapter one, he's the image of the invisible God. So you build your life on me and the authority that Jesus is saying this with is that he is going to rise from the grave. He knows, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. Build your life on me because I'm going to rise, I'm gonna die. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said, I'm gonna die in the hands of the Romans and then three days later, I'm gonna rise again conquering sin and death and proving that I am who I say I am. So watch this. The resurrection is the foundation for number one, the identity of Jesus. He's God in the bod. Number two, the resurrection is the foundation for the authority of his word. Jesus said all of the Old Testament, he called that God's word and he quoted from it often. And then he gave his apostles authority to write the words of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, so the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation. It's the, uh, for the authority of God's word. Third, the resurrection is the foundation for the community of believers. Paul said 
If Christ hasn't been raised, our faith is useless. We should just all go home. But if Christ has been raised, then he is worthy of your life. He's worthy of your worship. If Christ has been raised, then that means he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's you and me. If Christ has been raised, that means we've got a new spiritual family here and you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ and we're supposed to do the spiritual life together. Fourth, the resurrection is the foundation for the vitality of my family. That the, the health of my family, Jesus, the health of my marriage, the health of my parenting is going to be based on Jesus' saying, on following him and his teachings. And making sure our family is committed not only to Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, but to that spiritual family we just talked about. The vitality of my family is going to be based on my commitment to Jesus and my family's commitment to my spiritual family. The resurrection is the foundation for the priorities of my life, for how I'm going to view work and school and, and sports. You see, your foundation is what your schedule ultimately revolves around. You're, you're the foundation of your life. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest. It's, it's what we're saying yes to most of the time. And it's what we're saying no for most of the time. You follow me? That, that, that's our foundation. We, we can claim something all day long, but, but our foundation is really what our schedule and lives revolve around. See, you can pretend to have a personal relationship with Jesus all day long, but Jesus is saying here, the test of that is seen in your fruit and secondly, in your foundation. Your foundation is revealing your reality, not your claims, not your best intentions. Your foundation is revealing your reality. Jesus is saying your fruit, your foundation, it's revealing what's really in your heart, not your claims, not your intentions. Masses of people have been coming to hear Jesus preach and, and to heal. And in spite of the self-identification of many of them as followers of Jesus or as disciples of Jesus, Jesus' teaching is continuing to unveil that his audience is made up of persons who might be described as followers only in a loose sense. This sermon is a Fulfillment of his role as one who would separate the wheat from the chaff, that is, the real from the fake, the pretender from the authentic. So here's our big idea today. Your fruit is revealing what your foundation really is. Look at the fruit of your life. Look at what you're passionate about, what you spend your time on, your money on. Your fruit is revealing your foundation. It's revealing if you're building a sandcastle. It's revealing if you're fooling yourself. It's revealing if you're pretending to be something that you're not. You see, your life is like a commercial. Every, every last one of us in here, our lives are all commercials and they're advertising something. The question is, what's it advertising? For some of you, you're advertising that one week you're an expert on infectious diseases, the next week you're an expert on the economy, the next week you're an expert in war strategy. And you, you've convinced us that you're an expert in all those things. We really believe it, I promise. Some of you've convinced us with the advertisement of your life that you're really into CrossFit and uh, you can snatch and jerk and do a wad like anybody else, no, like no one else, okay? We, we, we believe it, we trust you, okay? You're a CrossFitter, you're the real deal. Some of you are advertising that you're trying to be an influencer with all your live videos to your tens of followers. We, we get it, okay? You're, 
You're an influencer. You're influencing us, all right? So, so our, our lives are advertising something. Your life's advertising whether you have a love for God and for his word and for his people, whether you have a love for money, hunting, golf, baseball, cheerleading, whatever, fill in the blank. Your life is advertising the foundation of your life that the rest of your life revolves around. Your life is advertising what you're saying no to. Your life is advertising what you're saying yes to. What is your life advertising? My challenge for you today is this, is to draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand and confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. For some of you, that's going to mean changing some things in your life. If Jesus is going to be Lord and I'm gonna build my life on him and his teachings and obey what he says, it's going to mean some changes are going to have to happen. But, but I'm committing myself to do those things because, because I love Jesus. Because that's what I want. Because he's, he's taken my old heart out and he's given me a new heart because that's what happens when you give your life to Jesus, you're, you're born again. And you've got a new life now and the old is gone and the new has come. There's a new who that produces a desire for a new do. And it gives you the power for the new do. Because when you give your life to Jesus, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And not only does his Holy Spirit living inside of you motivate you and inspire you and, and push you to these things, but his Holy Spirit gives you the power to actually do them. A new who produces a new do. A new do will never produce a new who. You can't one, two, three this. It's not do better and try harder. It's I'm drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm returning to Jesus maybe for some of you. Because Jesus said, follow me, not one, two, three. Follow me. And as you follow me and you become a new who, there's going to be a new do. And so for some of you, that means confessing Jesus is the Lord of your life for the very first time. Paul wrote in Romans 10 verse nine, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will be born again. You will become a new who that produces a new do. And some of you, you need to stop fooling yourself. You need to stop pretending to be something that you're not and give your life to Jesus today. Confess that he is now the Lord of your life and believe that God raised his son Jesus from the grave three days after he died on the cross for your sin, paying the fine for your sin so that you could be made right with God, so that you could be forgiven of your sin. If that's you and you're drawing a line in the sand for the very first time today saying, Jesus is Lord, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm gonna build my life on Jesus, then jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. Others of us were drawing in the line in the sand all over again saying, Jesus, I'm returning to you. I'm coming back to you. I'm gonna build my life on you and your teachings. I'm gonna get reconnected with my spiritual family. And I need your help because my marriage isn't in the place I wanted it to be. Our, our family parenting isn't, isn't where it needs to be. 
work, school, sports, all these things, it's out of control. I'm trying to juggle and balance all of these things. I'm, I'm feeling the wobble. I'm, I'm feeling the, the, the back and forth, the being blown back and forth because my, my foundation isn't on you. You need to return to Jesus today. It's not one, two, three, it's follow me, come back to Jesus. Draw a line in the sand. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Would you help me rework and reorient every part of who I am and what I do? I'm gonna build my life on you. You see, whether you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time today or returning to Jesus today, here's the confession I'm praying that all of us can make today. In the words of the old hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And here, here's what's so cool. When you make Jesus the foundation of your life, when you build your life on the rock, then you get to properly enjoy all the other good things in this life from a firm foundation. Because you've got what's primary in the place it's supposed to be, and you've got what's secondary in the place it's supposed to be. Now you can properly enjoy these things and experience the blessings that can come from all of these other things in life that are great things, but they're not the primary thing. They're secondary things. When you make what's primary primary, you experience the joy, the peace, and the blessing, and the flourishing that comes from that. But when you make what's secondary primary, when you take a good thing and you make it a foundational thing, you're going to experience the hurt, pain, and regret that comes from that. And if you haven't yet, Jesus is saying it's just a matter of time. So hear Jesus saying to you today, it's not one, two, three. It's follow me. Would you pray with me? Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just a moment between you and God right now. Just want you to hear Jesus saying to you, saying to us, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? In Matthew chapter seven, the same passage from Matthew's perspective, he, he says, Jesus said, why do you say Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? He said, you're, you're gonna stand before me one day and I'm gonna tell you, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus is saying there's some of us that are claiming to be something that we're not, that we're pretending to be something that we're not. And, and one day we're gonna stand before God and Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. You claim to be something that you weren't. You are pretending to be something that you're not. So God, I pray that today, right now, just like Paul challenged the Corinthians, I pray we would test ourselves, we would examine ourselves, see whether we're really in the faith, look at our fruit, look at our foundation, look at what our life is, is marked by. And we would just have a real and honest moment with you. Jesus, would you just speak to every heart this morning and say, you must be born again. You can't one, two, three of this. You can't do better and try harder. You must be born again. And the only way you can be born again, the only way there's gonna be a new who 
is if you give your life to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. So Jesus, today, we recognize, we confess that you are the resurrection and the life. You died on that cross, but three days later, you rose from that grave, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering him who holds the power of death. You are the resurrection and the life. And so on Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day, now is your time. Jump on our app, fill out that connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus. Would you stand? Our team's gonna lead us. We're gonna worship Jesus, the solid rock on which we stand.